Everything you need is already inside of you. The world would not be what it is without you. When we begin to create change within us, we begin to create change in the world around us. Your journey to becoming your best self as the whole person starts right now. Hello and welcome to the Become Your Best podcast and webinar series. I'm Lauren Sweeney. I'm your podcast host and I'm the vice president here at Rise Up For You. Today's guest comes all the way from Canada for us today on this amazing and gorgeous day. We are excited to dive in and have a conversation with Stephen McGarvey. He has just published a book, which we're, I know we're going to talk about, but before this new book, he is the best-selling author of Ignite a Shift, Engaging Minds, Guiding Emotions, and Driving Behavior. Sounds familiar? You know we love to talk about emotional intelligence here on the podcast and with our company. He's the founder and president of Solutions in Mind, a world-leading authority on unconscious communication. Sounds amazing, right? Positive persuasion and influencing with integrity. Do you love that? Did you love the title of the podcast, how you can really leverage influence to your advantage in a way that is in alignment with your values? He has worked with businesses around the world to optimize their performance by helping them understand how their staff and their customers think and what unconscious elements and patterns drive their behavior. He's a sought after speaker presenting to a variety of international audience all the way from American Psychiatric Conference Association to Fortune 500 companies. Stephen McGarvey is a certified master practitioner and trainer of neuro-linguistic programming and a certified master hypnotist. I'm not sure we're going to hypnotize you today. <laughs> However, he employs the empowering modalities of neuroscience and the latest in behavioral psychology. He also hosts the Stephen McGarvey podcast and is known for bringing contagious enthusiasm. I like contagious enthusiasm and a powerful presence to the professional speaking circuit. We're excited, Stephen, to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thanks, Lauren. I think you bring a good deal of enthusiasm yourself. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. I always tell people, you know, when you put energy out, you get that energy back and it becomes cyclical. And I really, congratulations on the book. I know you just told me it hit number one at Barnes and Noble. That is fantastic in your pre-launch phase. And talk with me about first why you're so passionate about behavior and psychology and kind of neuro-linguistic hacks, it sounds like as well. Yeah. Yeah. Lauren, it started, I failed grade two. They told me I was learning disabled and I hated reading. I can still remember my biggest fears were reading out loud in class. And uh, I would read a few paragraphs ahead so I could practice in my mind. And then my worst nightmare was when the teacher told the person before me they did so well to keep reading the next paragraph. And then I'd be kind of thrown in with no practice. So that was stressful. And I remembered when I discovered this whole field of neurolinguistics, it really helped me understand how I learned, how my brain worked, how we as human beings process information and how we each do it very uniquely and differently. And so I think that's where my passion comes from in this area. When I discovered this field, I knew this is what I wanted to do for a living. Mm, I love that. You know, we talk a lot about confidence. Our CEO wrote a whole book on it. And we talk about how the brain, you know, we think of it as like 
the king. <laughs> you know, we don't think of it as a muscle that can have different neural pathways and neuroadaptability. Talk with me about the impact you've been able to have in terms of that kind of neuroscience and it being able to be flexible and create new inroads and new habits. Yeah, absolutely. One of, one of the interesting things, um, Lauren, I, I just retired before um, uh, COVID hit. I had private practice and we get a lot of referrals from uh, pediatricians, uh, various physicians, alternative health practitioners for things like phobias and uh, anxiety disorders and a range of different things. And the more I, I did that, I did that for about 20 years and just with the book coming and so many things going on, I had to give something up. But I realized that we, we want to shift behavior, whether within ourselves or within someone else. And we very often attempt to rationalize that change in behavior rather than understanding that it's it's the thinking, it's the beliefs, it's the values. And you alluded to that in the intro that actually drive the emotional state, which drive the behavior. And so if we want to change behavior, we need to change the emotional state we're in. And to do that, we need to change our physiology and how we're actually running our brain. And so I, I always encourage people to evaluate their, their behaviors or their attitudes of mind and to evaluate what habits do they have, what beliefs do they have, what values do they have, what's the hierarchy of those, and how do they either serve them positively or how might they be, even though they have a positive intention, be holding them back. And once we evaluate that, we can start to create some shifts. And when we create those shifts, it, it changes everything. Yeah, exactly. A lot of times people have a very hard time changing habits, uh, myself included. You know, you have a habitual pattern, habitual thought. What are some great or your favorite techniques or first steps that someone could take if they're listening and they're saying, yes, Stephen, I have a habit. I really want to change it. I just don't think I can. I keep reverting backwards. Give me a few tips. Yeah. Well, one of the first things I do from a coaching perspective is say, well, if you could, what would that first step be? Because if their mind is in that current state stuck on, I can't, I don't think I can, then that's going to be their reality. Whereas if we coach them to say, well, you may have historically thought you couldn't, hypothetically, if you could, what would that first step be? So notice right away what we're doing is engaging the brain, moving it from the current state to a desired state, and having them actively participate in creating a strategy. So I think the key, Lauren, and I'm, I'm sure you guys are well aware of this as coaches as well, is incremental small steps and, and doing that consistently with some kind of wins and rewards. Whereas if they're in that mindset of I can't, then they're not even going to take that first step required to do it. Absolutely. I love to imagine that certain thoughts are like a mosquito <laughs> flying around my mind and I'll like catch it. I'll even teach my kids this kind of squash it, but give it a little love, you know, yeah. and then intentionally create a new inroad and that neuroplasticity of the brain being able to change and grow just like I can get different muscles on my legs or my biceps. I can do that with my mind and it helps me in realizing, okay, that thought's not serving me. You know, yeah. summer's coming. Maybe I don't look how I want to look on the beach or something, right? I know we all have negative thoughts, perhaps let's say about our bodies, about our whatever. Okay. Is that thought serving me? And what thought could I replace it with? And it may seem like, oh, well, sure. That sounds so great and easy. But it really does work. What have some of the impacts, positive impacts that you've seen, Stephen, on the work you do? Yeah, so a, a range of things from phobias, uh, phobia cures, and a range of different things. One of the things in the last two years with this COVID that I've shared with, I would say, most of my audiences 
is this whole idea of, of what's causing anxiety. We tend to think of anxiety as a, a thing, and we talk about it as my anxiety. And what I encourage people to do is, is realize that to a large extent, they're creating it by how they're running their brain because anxiety is a state. And so if the state is anxiety and we want to shift that, we need to shift what's going on in our mind and our physiology. So here's my definition for your audience. And you guys can actually test this as you're watching and listening. Lord, I encourage, Lauren, I encourage you to test it out. And I've tested this with rooms full of physicians and they're like, that's exactly what happens. And so anxiety is an emotion of the future that you can only experience in the now by imagining something that hasn't happened yet turning out in a way that you don't want it to. And, and I'll repeat that one more time. And you guys, as an audience, go ahead and test it. Check any time in your life where you've had anxiety in the last two years or raising kids or any situation, work-wise or personal, where you've had anxiety and check if this was the pattern you were following. Anxiety is an emotion of the future that you can only experience in the now by imagining something that hasn't happened yet turning out in a way that you don't want it to. And when you start doing that, it triggers that state of anxiety. And I've seen this in everything from coaching uh, senior level executives with public speaking and a whole range of different things from kids that are gifted in one area and, and are, are lagging behind in another area. And so it, it, uh, it's a definition I came up with after years of dealing with these thing, kinds of things in private practice. Oh, I love that. I was following right along with you, Stephen, as you're saying it. It is rarely ever, we talk a lot about emotional intelligence and about managing our triggers yeah. related to anxiety, relating to stress. It is almost never in the moment. Yeah. I, because in the moment, the tiger's chasing me or <laughs> this, you know, whatever's happening, I'm not really thinking I'm anxious. The anxiety is always based on putting my past in my future <laughs> or my the future I'm anticipating. It's so real. And and as human beings, I think it's a habit. Well, and, and Lauren, it's interesting that you say that the past, the future and, and all that stuff. The uh, the reality is that anything that we vividly imagine as human beings, our nervous system and, and our, our whole physiology responds as though it's real. That's why people when they're dreaming or an example I share with people is when you're going to sleep at night, you're not quite awake, you're not quite asleep. You think a certain thought and your body twitches or jerks. It's because your body's responding to what you're imagining as though it's real. So if I imagine something where it's a situation that I'm failing or the audience laughs at me or something goes wrong, it's going to trigger and create that sense of resistance, reluctance, anxiety, fear in the now. And you're absolutely right. It doesn't matter when I've dealt with phobias before. It doesn't matter if it's an event from the past that we're imagining happening again in the future or if it's never happened. I, I dealt with one lady who had a phobia of crossing bridges that she developed from watching a movie and she started to imagine what happens if that happens. And it was a movie where a bridge collapsed and hundreds of cars fell into the ravine below. And she started as she approached bridges, imagining what happens if that actually happened. And she did that so well, she actually developed a, a really strong phobia of crossing bridges and cars. Oh, you know, it does talk about the power of imagination and the power of imagination for good. And the example you gave is literally, did she, thank goodness, no, go on a bridge and then, you know, et cetera. That didn't happen to her, but yeah. she created it in her mind as if it was real, as if it happened. It. The thing that I love to tap into and encourage those listening and watching is what if we did that same power of imagination, but for something that hadn't happened that we want to happen. 
And we have a lot of entrepreneurs listening. What if you literally tasted, felt, used your senses and imagined the business you always wanted? What if, Steve, you imagine, you probably do this, you know, the, the book launch and, and all of the things with this new, new kind of chapter and phase in your life. What if we imagined the physical health, the monetary health, the relationships, attracting the, the right partner for ourselves romantically? Like, what if we used our imagination, that same muscle that's creating habits that maybe we want to get rid of for good? I, I think we would be stunned at what we can accomplish. I think the challenge is that too many people focus on what they don't want to have happen. And the more we focus on what we don't want to have happen, the more of it we get. And, and again, back to how the brain unconsciously processes information. The key fact there is that we fail to process negation. So if I say don't think of an elephant, the first thing you think of is an elephant. You have to even process the information. If I say to as a parent, if I say to a child, don't spill your milk, I may have a positive intention, but what I've got the child imagining is spilling their milk. If I've got them imagining spilling the milk, I've likely increased the state of nervousness, and then the behavior occurs that the milk gets spilled. And rather than us as parents saying, hey, that was bad communication, we blame the child for spilling the milk. Yes, 100%. It's, I, I, I feel that too. I work on that. I have two little kids, and so I'll often try playing with even my tone. Like I'll whisper instead of you know, maybe being upset or yelling or something. And that, that in and alone, they're like shocked. Why is mom whispering? Or well, I mean, that change in your tone also gets their attention, right? When you've got that variance in tone, which is interesting. I, I think we can do that for ourselves too. We have the same habits, the same processes. Someone even told me once, you know, just try using your non-dominant hand. Try getting out of bed on the other side. Try brushing, like... Anything to it engages the brain. Have you found that to be true in your work? Absolutely. In fact, during COVID, I, I do magic as a hobby. And when I do live things, I very often will open with an illusion to engage the audience within the context of how easy it is to direct perception or, or to manage people's perception. And so during COVID, obviously, we're doing a lot mostly remote. <clears throat> so I thought, how, what can I do? So I started asking people if they were left or right thumb dominant. And, and most people are shocked they never even thought of that before. But as soon as I say, are you right or left thumb dominant, they start to focus on their thumb. So go ahead, play, play along, Lauren, and you can okay. do this at home. <laughs> go ahead and interlock your hands and okay. notice, which, notice which thumb is on top. Oh, my left. Your left. So your left thumb dominant. So go ahead and interchange them the other direction so that the opposite thumb is on top. I almost couldn't do it. <laughs> and notice how strange and peculiar it feels. Right. So people don't think about these things. They don't realize that we as human beings have the gift of all gifts to be able to direct our own focus and our own thinking and therefore change the emotional state we're in with both our, our thinking and our physiology and the changes that we can do are, are absolutely incredible. Oh, I love that. And bringing awareness. We're talking about imagination, habit, yeah. awareness, which creates different influence. And we may want to influence people because we're a leader of an organization. We're an executive. We're an entrepreneur. We're a parent. We just live in a society where we want to create an impact in a positive way. And we can do that. And we could start with ourselves. 
Absolutely. I think it has to start with ourselves. In fact, when we work with corporations, as I'm sure you've discovered as well, if you don't have buy-in from the upper levels down, uh, it, it's just all talk. And, and we've got to start with ourselves if we're in that position of leadership and hold ourselves more accountable than we hold anyone else. And by doing that, we're walking the talk and we can then coach people in a way that's most impactful. Oh, I love that. So talk to me about the book, how we find you, all of the things. So you can find us at solutionsinmind.com. The book is called Ignite a Shift. And the subtitle is Engaging Minds, Guiding Emotions, and Driving Behavior. And it's packed full of stories. It's fun to read. We've had amazing reviews. You can pre-order it now on amazon.com. Uh, you can check out the reviews that we got there from last week's uh, push that we did. And um, it's available in bookstores everywhere on July 5th. So we're really excited. What is one of the things that you found most surprising about writing the book? I never wanted to write it in the first place, Lauren. I honestly, I'm more of a speaker than I am a writer. Writers, I think it, it triggers those times in school where I didn't do well and it, I, I still can't spell to save my life. My spelling is terrible. So I think it triggers a lot of stuff like that for me. So I, I never wanted to do it, but the surprise I think is that we started out to self-publish then we got picked up by Morgan Jane Publishing out of the Morgan James Publishing out of the U.S. And the next thing we know, we're getting these amazing reviews, and it, it, it looks like we're doing exceptionally well. So I think that's back to what you said. If we set something in our minds, we can actually surprise ourselves with what we, we can accomplish. In fact, our, our goddaughter was running a Terry Fox run for cancer, and uh, we just donated to that cause, and and we found out like how much I, my question is how big did she set her goal because i want to encourage her she's six years old i want to encourage her to set big goals and she said well we jumped in late we only got in at the middle of the month so she set a goal of only 200 dollars. well we had already donated 250 and blew her goal out of the water so i got on right away and i said the lesson learned is set big goals because the bigger the goal set, the higher we end up reaching. Even if it's not completely what we wanted, we'll still get further than what we intended if we just set small goals. Yes. Setting a higher goal. The other neat thing is it probably expanded what she thought her capacity was. Absolutely. So she didn't think she could hit that. She surpassed it. So now the next time she's going to have a goal, I bet she'll set a thousand. Now, when she hit, you know, so that's another interesting thing I think about human beings is we expand our vision and our capacity yeah. as far as we can see. And then we need maybe a mentor, a coach, a podcast, something to yeah. expand our vision further. I, I love the work that you guys are doing. Whenever I, I accepted the invitation, I just thought it was a great opportunity to have this conversation. In fact, Lauren, one of my favorite quotes that just popped into my head as you said that is it's only when we get to as far as we can currently see that we're then able to see further. And I use that as an example sometimes in speaking engagements, if you're driving down a long road, that horizon is as, only, it's as far as you can see. And it's only when you get there that you're able then to see a lot further. So I would encourage people, and you mentioned this earlier, to set big goals and make sure they're well-defined and make sure you get a good coach that can help you make sure those goals are well-defined. And there's a model out there called the SMART model, which helps guide you through that process, which I think a lot of people know, but don't necessarily apply. So I would say that's one of the first steps as well. The other thing I'll just quickly mention on the book side, it really reinforced to me the necessity of having the right team of people around you. Because quite honestly, without the team that we've got, it's getting me all choked up even. I don't think this would have been possible. So I think when we surround ourselves with quality people that share a vision 
uh, it's you just do what you do best and trust others to do what they do best. And, and as you guys seem to do as your team as well, you then attract other people to you that want to be part of that vision, part of that journey. So I, I just want to throw a big kudos out to our team on our end for uh, filling in the gaps and just doing such an outstanding job. I love that. It goes so well. We'd love to ask a closing question, Stephen, and that is, what does Rise Up for you mean to you? Rise Up for me, Rise Up for me, when I, I looked at the video, uh, the intro to this, is really rising up to be the best me that I can be so that I can serve others to the best of my ability and coach them to be the best version of themselves. And I, I think that's where we get the most return emotionally for ourselves is when we can uh, make others by our interactions with them, facilitate them becoming the best versions of themselves. And I, I really uh, appreciate and admire what you guys stand for as a, as a company, as a business. And I, I really value you taking the time and having me as a guest on your website, on your um, uh, WebEx uh, start Absolutely. Yes, we're so glad to have you. And thank you for the great work you're doing. And I hope those of you listening took something from it so that you can start using your imagination in a way that can help you create whatever it is you're looking for. Well, it's been my pleasure to be your host today. I want to let you know that we have a public speaking course. It is launching. We have one in the summer. We have one in the fall. If you're interested in joining us, you can absolutely register right now at riseleadershipcourse.com slash take the stage. Join us for our semi-annual public speaking cohort. It's been my pleasure until our next podcast.